0: Psalm 132 Remember, O Lord, in David's favour all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the Mighty One of Jacob. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the Mighty One of Jacob. Behold, We heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness, and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body, I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame. But on him... His crown will shine.
1: Thank you uh, very much, Jackie. Um, So, Psalm 132 is going to tell us the gospel, the good news that God's King has made a way for God Himself to come near to His people, to be with them, and to bless them. It's going to tell us that good news. And we're going to think about that gospel with four words. And I need the kids to help me here, because hidden around the room, there are four brown envelopes. And in those brown envelopes, there are a few different things uh, that we might find. So I'd like you to find them. Um, so uh, we've found some already. Uh, anywhere around the room, get up out of your seats and have a look. Four brown envelopes. There's one there that Reuben's got. Reuben, you've got one already. You don't need to find the rest. Um, when you've found them, uh, take them back to your seats for now and uh, we'll see what's inside them. So when you've found an envelope, take it back to your seats. Don't open it just yet and we'll look at what's in them together. I have to remember where I hid them now. Brilliant. I think we might have got more. Has, Has someone got an envelope with a number one on it? Put your hand up or shout. Yeah, we've got one. Has someone got number two? We've got number two? Yep. Have we got number three? we have, and we've got number four, brilliant, okay, we've got them all, fantastic, so, let's find out what is in them one at a time, first of all then, number one, who's got number one, Uh, come up then Esther, or Dave, you've got your hand up as well, you can come up if you like, Dave, (laughs) thank you Esther, well done, so, number one, what is in this, do we think, let's have a little look, so, uh, in in each envelope, there is a word, and there's also a little bit, bit of a clue as to what the word might be, so before we look at the word, we'll look at the clue, okay, so, um, shall I, I think if I tip hold your hands out Esther stand up here so everyone can see you actually So okay. hold your hands out and tip so this is what's in this envelope woohoo wow, what do you think Esther? cool, yeah, great pick them all up, that is yours to eat and to share, um, oh before you go though I need you to tell me what's, what the word is so if you grab that out as well and then hold it up so everyone can see it and then I'll stick it up for us so hold it up nice and high Want. Okay, that's our word. Okay, thank you, Esther. I'm going to blue tack that up. Take your treats back with you, and uh, we'll put this over on this side, I think. So our first word is want. What on earth does that mean? Let's see. Um, So. the clue for want was chocolate, wasn't it? Because in my book, chocolate is something that we all want. Okay, that's, That is the link, that is the tenuous connection with chocolate and wanting. But we do, all, we do all love chocolate, don't we? Who here wants chocolate right now? Yeah, Lots of hands up, straight away. Um, well, Psalm 132 was originally sung by pilgrims travelling to Jerusalem to celebrate all the different feasts that the Jewish people uh, celebrated. And the one thing that they want... <laughs> is for God to be with them in that place. Have a look at verse uh, verse 8 there. Listen to what they're saying. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Or look down at um, at verse 15, why they want God to be in this place. Because there, verse 15, is a place where God will abundantly bless them with provisions. They will be satisfied like the poor And hungry are satisfied with bread. There will be salvation. There will be joy. And so, in this first word, want, I'm just asking you to reflect on that for yourself. We've already thought about it a little bit. How awesome it is that God would choose to dwell with us, that He would desire that, that He would want that, as we saw in verse. Uh, Thirteen and fourteen. There, there was nothing special about us. There was nothing special about Jerusalem, but God has chosen to be there and to bless there, and we get joy, and satisfaction, and blessing. So, of all the things that we want in this world, and chocolate is just one silly example. God dwelling with us in a place of blessing like that, of satisfaction, joy, abundance, that should outstrip them all, shouldn't it? It should do, but we acknowledge, I guess, that it isn't always true for us, is it? And the the, the fact is, we don't always want God and want his presence and his blessing with us. And perhaps it is so not true for you this morning that you're sat there and, and, and you're listening and reading those words and they just mean nothing to you at all. It's as if your heart is dead to that. Of all the wants in your life, this is not one of them. God himself is boring to you, perhaps. You're itching to get your phone out and find some entertainment on there or looking forward to whatever the rest of the day holds And and the idea of rejoicing in the fact that God wants to be amongst his people and blessing them to satisfy us, well, your heart rate doesn't even flicker at the thought of it. Well, if that's you this morning, and if we're all honest, there is some of that in all of us, isn't there? It's important to hear that as wrong as that is, as wicked as it is to be disinterested in God... Your disinterest in him is no match for God's interest in you. His love for you, his desire to come near to you, to all of us, comes first. He is not put off by your boredness. And so you might well find that your life is one where he continues to pursue you and nudge you to come back to him. One of the ways he often does that is by making us realise that none of those other things that we do want more than him will actually satisfy us. They will all fail us one way or another, but God will not. So if you reflect on the word want there and think, do I really want God to be with me? And it doesn't mean too much to you. It is not too late. It is never too late in this life to turn to him and say, wow, thank you, and and help me to want you more. So that's a place to start. Want do we actually want God to be with us or not? And remember that he wants you more than you want him, which is good news for us who fight for faith, isn't it? But let's move on. Word number two. Who has got word number two? Josh Critchley. Excellent, good work. What do you think might be in here, Josh? Give it a shake. Any ideas? No? no? I don't blame you. There's no, there's no real clue in that, but let's have a little look. So... Here is, hold your hands out, here is number two. Catch, catch, both hands, both hands, both hands. There we are, wow. Okay, there's some chocolate again, because it would be disappointing if there wasn't. There's a bit more, but there's not just chocolate. Josh, what else is there in envelope number two? Glasses. There are some glasses, hold them up so everyone can see. Some glasses. What word might that be for us? Any ideas, let's have a little look, okay, so. You get the paper out and hold it up so everyone can see it. I'll take the glasses off you. Hold it up so everyone can see it. What's it say? Yeah. Watch. It does say watch. Brilliant. Okay, watch. So, connection, glasses, watch. You see things with glasses, yeah? Get it? Fantastic. Thank you. You can sit down, you can sit down Josh, just to be clear, because uh, sometimes my mind works in an unusual way. Um, so, watching... Oh, actually, we're going to do number three as well at the same time. Who's got number three? Who's got number three? I think that was Reuben, number three. So we're going to do number two and three together. So let's open it up, Reuben, and see what's in there. I'm not going to tip this upside down and make you catch it, because Elspeth would be very, very worried, because there's one of her favourite possessions in here, which is that. Okay, what what is it, do you think? It is a laptop, yeah. Okay, and what else is there? Hold your hands out. Yes, obviously there's some chocolate, you can have that as well. So, a laptop, what word would a laptop mean? I'll give you a clue, it begins with W, because that's the theme. Any ideas, any any ideas from the floor? Windows, Oh, didn't think of that one. Not windows, work, Moss, well done, work, brilliant, work. Thank you Ruben, pop that down there and uh, go and grab your seat again. Well, the So we've got watching and working. What on earth is that about? Well, let's find out. Um, we are going to spend um, more time thinking about watching, because that, I think, is the, the kind of heart of uh, this psalm. And we're not going to spend much time on work or on the last word, which we'll find out about later. So let's start thinking about watch. What has that got to do with Psalm 132? Well, how do we get what we want We've thought about what we want. We want God himself and the blessings that come from him dwelling with us. How do we get it? And the psalm tells us, I think we'll see, that the way we get it is by watching. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look more closely at the psalm. The psalm really is split into two main sections. The first part, right from the beginning there and down to uh, about verse 10, is all about God's king, King David. And as we read it now as people who live after Christ, we know that David was just a shadow pointing us to God's true eternal king, King Jesus. And so God's people are reminding themselves in these early verses uh, of all that God did, uh, all all that David did to find and provide a dwelling place for God. Do you see that there? He swore to the Lord and vowed to him, verse 2, He's not going to let himself get any sleep. He's not going to stop or rest, verses 3 or 4, until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Um, uh, Estate agents have a bad name, so I feel terrible kind of comparing King David here to an estate agent, but it's like he's saying, right, you want a a house, Lord? I'm the one who's going to find it for you. David is like... Uh, the, the the move residential of uh, of the Bible, but not really because he's better than that. But you see what he's doing there? He's saying, "I'm I, I'm not going to rest. That is my mission. That is my commitment. I'm determined to achieve that. Find a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob." Of course, as we see David pointing to Jesus, we remember the sufferings of Jesus not just on the cross, but especially on the cross, and Jesus' utter determination, not just at the expense of his sleep, but at the expense of his life, to make it possible for God to dwell with his people. So in this psalm, as we think about, and I'm behind here, I forgot I, forgot I had all these slides, as we think about watching, it's as if we are are watching Jesus and considering his commitment to provide a dwelling place for God with his people. And as the people watch on, watching their king and and considering his determination to make that happen, there's this desperation in them that their their king's work would be honoured. And they're placing their hope in all that he has done. Who knows what that is? I know many of you do. Sorry, what was that, Ian? Bramley Moor Dock Stadium. Is that what it's going to be called? Maybe. Yeah, something like that. That is going to be the home of, Martha, of Everton Football Club. That's right. One day it might look something like that. It's getting there. It's getting there. (laughs) It's getting there, isn't it? Uh, It's going to be their new dwelling place. And it looks and sounds like it's going to be amazing. Speak to Rich Moss afterwards, because he's been there on an insider's tour. That's pretty cool. But what is it that Everton fans are looking forward to about Bramley-Moore-Dock Stadium? Any, any answers from the floor? What are you looking forward to? <laughs> Not a lot. To Being in the championship, yes. They're looking forward to hopefully playing in it in the Premier League. They're looking forward to it being full, maybe. But who knows? They're looking forward to it being better than Anfield. Maybe. Who knows? They're looking forward to maybe some, some silverware there. The colour seems to have faded on this picture, doesn't it? It's that long ago. It's that long ago, 1995. That was a painful day for me, I remember that day. Anyway, There's a lot of work and commitment going in to making that stadium happen. But how sure are you that it will live up to what it's meant to be? How sure are you? You know, as you buy that season ticket, imagine you're an Everton fan. I know it's painful, but imagine it, and you're buying the season ticket. Are you confident that it's going to be worth it? Is there a little bit of uncertainty and nervousness about it? Some people in the city will be praying that things go well there, and only time will tell if their prayers will be answered. Well, as God's people express this hope and prayer that God would make his home with them, the second half of the psalm sees them celebrate that the answer is a resounding yes. It's a resounding yes. So in this psalm, we don't just in the first half watch Jesus and and consider his commitment to make it possible for God to dwell with us. In the second half, we watch on as we listen to God demonstrating The certainty of his yes in Jesus. Look at the way the second half kind of mirrors the first. In verse 2, David has sworn an oath to the Lord. In verse 11, the Lord swears an oath, a sure oath to David. See that? In verse 10, uh, the people say, Please, Lord, do not turn away from your king. And in verse 11... Uh, it says he will not turn back from his promises to his king. In verse 9, look at that. Uh, the, the people's hope is, is, is that their priests would be clothed with righteousness and, and, and that the saints would be able to shout for joy. And in verse 16, the same language is, is used again. But instead of a, a let there be, the, there is a I will do this, says the Lord. The Lord will make it happen. You see that all the hopes and dreams of the first half of the psalm. The Lord answers them and says, yes, I will do that. It will happen, he says. The prayer is answered and and with with extras thrown in as well. It's not just uh, salvation and and righteousness for the priests and, and joy for the saints, but it's abundant provision, verse 15, satisfaction for the poor. You see, there need be no nervousness at all when it comes to whether God will keep his promises. No nervousness at all, which is good news, isn't it? Now, kids, it's summer holidays, and I imagine you have got lined up for yourselves all sorts of things that you want to happen in the summer. Does anyone want to to tell us some things that they've asked their parents for for the summer, something you'd like to do or a place you'd like to go? Tom? You would like to go to Alton Towers. And what did, what did your mum and dad say when you said, Mum, Dad, please can we go to Alton Towers? What did they say, Tom? I can see what Naomi said, because she's doing a little hand gesture down here. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Elspeth, in our family, she is a little bit obsessed with going to Ninja Warriors. Isn't she? Imagine that, wanting to go to Ninja Warriors. And she asks us, and she asks us, and she asks us again. And what do you think we say? We don't say no. No, we don't. We're not like that room. We say, well, probably. We'll see. I'll have a word with mum. We'll think about it. (laughs) God is not like that. You know, sometimes mums and dads say, yes, we will definitely do that. But God always does that with his promises. God, will you keep your promises? Yes. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to have a little ponder. Yes, I will keep my promises that is good news, isn't it? God never changes his mind. So this psalm is about watching. We watch the work of Jesus to provide this dwelling place for God, and we watch on as God gives his resounding answer to that uh, work of Jesus. Yes, I will keep my promises. I will honour my King. And he demonstrated that, didn't he, in Jesus by raising him from the dead. And now Jesus is, is exalted and Lord and reigning on high. He has kept his promises. Guys, watching is in many ways the essence of being a Christian. Okay, We watch on and we celebrate as God the Father and God the Son work together this wonderful plan centered around Jesus' death and resurrection. This wonderful plan enemies defeated, Jesus honoured, as the psalm finishes. We watch them working together to be with us and to bless us. We watch. We don't work. I'm not going to say lots about this, but it is so important to say something about this. Because it's worth just pointing out how everything about the way that the world we live in works and everything that it says says that we must work to get what we want. You know, we set our goals, we set our targets, we have our ambitions, and we strive to achieve them ourselves, don't we? And so often it just wears us out. It disappoints us. It causes us anxiety and stress and disillusionment, and emptiness, and so often it ruins our relationships, and it turns us into people we don't really want to be, but we feel like that's the only option we've got, because if we want to get anything in this world, we have to work for it. That's what we think, isn't it, by nature. But that is not the gospel. In the gospel, we don't work, we watch. We watch the beautiful relationship of the son's work, and the father's response to that work, saying, yes, yes, And we rejoice in that. And so we need one final word. Who's got envelope number four? Tom. I feel like you could have just done everything this morning, Tom. Thank you. Brilliant, so can we open it? I have to remember what's in this one. Um, Yeah, we can tip this one. Okay, so let's open it and uh, see what's inside. Okay, there we go, what's it gonna be? Yes, more chocolate. There we are. Um, But more importantly, I couldn't think of an object for this, so I've just got a picture. Can you take that one out, Tom, and show it to us all? Um, So hold it up high so everyone can see it. So what W word might that picture of two hands symbolise, do you think? What do you think? Any ideas? Any ideas, Tom? A W word? No. Ruben? Worship. Well done, Ruben. Fantastic. Worship, that is the word to think of as we finish. Uh, So let me stick this one up. There we go. Thanks, Tom. You can grab a seat again. That's great. Um, So it's difficult to find a picture or an object that demonstrates worship. But the Bible does talk about lifting your hands in worship, which you are very welcome to do, by the way, here, when we sing and when we pray. But really, it's just a symbol of giving praise and honour to God, isn't it? The hands point to him rather than to us. And worship is the response in this psalm to all of this. I don't know if you noticed in the psalm, but there is only one thing that the pilgrims actually do. It's there in verse 7. They hear some good news in verse 6 and then they say verse 7, let us go and let us worship. So maybe the better symbol would have been feet rather than hands. But the point is they actively take hold of what God has done for them by getting up out of their seats, leaving their homes and doing something about it. Going to Jerusalem to enjoy the blessings that God has made for them. And so that's our final brief challenge today. We've considered the amazing thing that God has done, that the Lord and his King have achieved for us. Our task is to grab hold of it, to enjoy what they have achieved, to rest in God's presence, to admire the King's work for us, to worship in response. Worship really is just celebrating that resounding yes of God's promises back to his people, giving them both praise. And so we're going to do that now. We're going to sing, and the music group can come up now, we're going to sing of King Jesus, the one who is crowned with many crowns. And we're going to consider his work and consider the resounding yes that the Lord has given to the work of Jesus. So let's stand and sing, and then we'll pray together after that.